Are you willing to examine the traditions and doctrines that you trust in for your eternal salvation? Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I am Don Britton and I will be your host. I will be comparing the modern traditions and doctrines of American Christianity with what the scriptures actually say. You may be shocked to find out that much of what is commonly believed in American Christianity today is nothing more than myths handed down to us by men. So please join me now with an open mind. Hello and welcome back to another Great Deception podcast. I'm Don Britton and today I'm going to talk with you about the state of fathers in America and in particular the American church and the state of the fathers in the American church. As I'm recording this at this very moment, it's Sunday afternoon, June the 21st, 2020, and it's Father's Day. Today, all around the country, families are gathering to honor fathers. There'll be barbecues and big meals and celebrations of different kinds, and there'll be many cards or and or text and or emails and phone calls to fathers all around the country thanking them and honoring them on today being Father's Day. But this is a question that I have, and it's a concern that I have. How many of these fathers have brought up their children in the fear and the training of the Lord, being the priest in the home, teaching their, their children the things of God at home? You see, what we have today, almost all of the so-called Christian fathers that I know of, they take their children to church to be trained, or they send them to the Sunday school, or they send them to Christian school, or they send them to vacation Bible school, or they send them to the youth pastor at the church so he can train them. But they don't train them at home. They don't do that themselves. You, you see, the problem is, the sad thing is that the church and the training that they receive at the church and at the so-called Christian school is very weak and, and very insufficient as far as training them how to, how to be prepared for life, as, much less get them to heaven. The church system of America today is broken down morally and is filled with false teachers and false doctrines and this so-called false grace uh, that excuses sin and doesn't really uh, bring the fear of the Lord. And so, and it also gives children a false uh, view a false picture of who Jesus Christ is and who God is, who God the Father is. So that today, the children of the so-called Christian men of America, of the American church, they're falling away from what's called the faith. You know, that they're falling away from the church world. And, you know, that's called falling away from the faith by some. And they're doing it at an alarming rate. What they're doing is they're, they're, they're getting away from the things of God, what they think the things of God are, because they've seen so much hypocrisy and so much shallowness and so much superficiality and so much phoniness and so much fake that they don't even really believe that it's real anyway. Most of these kids will end up going to college somewhere and in college they're going to be brainwashed by the liberal uh, worldly professors that they encounter and they're going to buy into the philosophy of the world which is humanism. That's what happens to them all the time. Even while these kids attend church, even while they were still young at home and attending church, most of them were doubtful about what, about Christianity, about God, about Christ, about the Bible. They were doubtful because they see so little reality among their parents and especially among fathers. You see, they see how their parents live. They see how their father really is at home or how he lives 
the rest of the time away from church. They see that and they learn how to act and they see how the father, because they see how the father does. See, the father acts religious around the church and around so-called Christians. He acts like a Christian. But then when he's away from there, so many of them are just worldly. They're carnal. They're selfish. They have angry tempers. They're involved in things that are not of God. And the children see this double standard, and so they don't really see any reality with what's called church and the things of God. So that's the reason they, they leave it, because it doesn't mean anything anyway to them. You see, they even see how dad is far more excited over a football game than he is about a Bible study or anything of God. He sees that. They see that how dad is obsessed with his video games or his hobbies like hunting and fishing or going out with the guys or or whatever, like some guys I used to be with when I was young in the race cars. They had race cars. And you see, what happens is children, they don't understand that the things of God are really serious because they don't see dad being serious about them. So they see also how dad never sits down with them and talks to them about the things of the Lord, and he never teaches them the word of God. You see, that's for church. That's what you do in Sunday school. You have your little church Sunday school, youth meeting, little Bible study thing. And when, you know, when you're done with that, you're done with it. You don't, that's what they see. They don't see there's any real life exposure the rest of the time to the word of God. And they see how dad is so much more interested in his sports or his hobbies or his games or his, or his job or his work or his profession or, or his business. Some men have businesses and they, and they live for their business to make money, you know. And they see, and, and they see how the, the dad is so much more interested in all of those things than he is in the things of God. So they, they get this impression, the growing up in the quote church. And since the children see all of this, they don't sense that there's any reality in the church or the church stuff, as we call it. They don't see any reality in it. So they learn how to pretend and to play Christian and go along with the game just like dad does and most everybody else does. As a result of this, of all this hypocrisy and all this game plan and all this acting and everything, as a result, they end up pursuing their own pleasures and desire just like dad did and like dad does. And then they know how to go to church on Sunday and how to play Christian. They know how to do that. They learn how to do that from their parents and from the rest of the people who are going to church because it is so common. And then when they grow up and they leave home, then they don't even need to pretend anymore. Hey, they just let their hair down, so to speak. They just go on and do what they're going to do. Hey, they're going to be immoral. They're going to live with their with their uh, girlfriend or boyfriend, or they're going to get involved in homosexual affair, or they're going to they're going to take a job working at a place that's not of God. They're going to do things that are not of God. They're not even going to try anymore to pretend. They're now they're just going to do what they want to do. And, and live their life however they want to because they, they didn't see any reality anyway. And so, and besides that, most of our, most of our kids were told they were saved. They were told they were going to heaven because we, we as a church world, and, and I hate, and I'm not a part of it anymore, but at one time I was, but as the church world, we as a church world in America told them if they would just accept Jesus or believe in Jesus, or pray this sinner's prayer, which is bogus, that they were saved and their salvation was guaranteed. And so, you know, why now they don't have to worry about it, so to speak, because they, they, it's all their ticket's punched to heaven, so it doesn't matter now. They're, they're going to go out and do whatever they want to do. And in the back of their mind, 
because fathers were not engaged. Fathers didn't tell them any better. Fathers didn't seek God. Fathers didn't study the word. And so they were indoctrinated by the false religious system to think they were going to heaven anyway. So now in the back of their mind, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I'm saved. I'm a Christian and I can do what I want to do. And so that's, that's where we're at today. That's America for you right there. So in Deuteronomy uh, chapter six, verse five, let me read to you what it said. He said, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Now that's pretty strong right there. And Jesus quoted these same words when someone asked him, what must you do to have eternal life? He said the same thing. These words, that is to love the Lord with all your heart, all your might, all your strength, these words which I am commanding you today, he said, they shall be on your heart. He said, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, you're supposed to, fathers, fathers, your, support, your house and your relationship with your family, especially your children, is to teach them the ways of God, the fear of God, the knowledge of God, the truth about God, the word of God. Teach them this all the time. In other words, there's a teachable moment in almost everything you can do. You'd be going down the road and you can see a road sign. That's a teachable moment. You can be in the house and something can happen at the dinner table and there's a teachable moment about principles and the ways of God. You know, you can have, you can be in a situation where you'll go to a relative's house and something happens there. There's a situation. Now you have a teachable moment. There's so many ways, fathers, that you can teach your children when you come in, when you go out, when you sit at the table, when you go down the road, whatever you're doing, there's always a way to inject the truth of God into almost every situation. You can even look at nature. You can look at a bird flying. You can look at trees. You can look at, you can look at the rain and the clouds and the storms and everything and see God in everything and point those things out to your children, fathers. So you shall teach them diligently and you shall do this everywhere and all the time. And he said in verse eight, he says, you shall bind them. That is these truths of God, the, the principles of God. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be on the frontals of your forehead. In other words, th these principles should be in what you're doing with your hands and they should be in your mindset, how your mind is established. What, what kind of mind do you have? And he said, and you shall also write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, when somebody comes to your house, Father, they should know that this is a house where a man of God lives, not the fun house or the game house or the play house or the silly house or the, or the worldly house. They should know that when they come to your house, it's written on the doorpost of your house, so to speak, spiritually speaking, that this is a house of God. This is where God dwells. God dwells with a man of God and he is a leader of his family. He's a priest in his home. He's a teacher of the word and he lives for God. That's what should happen. I've been to so many so-called Christian homes in my life when it was nothing but worldly empty chatter. The, there was jokes and silliness and talk about the world and the games and this and that, all kinds of things, everything but talking about the Lord. So fathers, what is your mindset? In other words, what, what's on the, fortal, uh, on the frontal of your forehead? What's, what's there on your forehead? What is it that's in your mind? And what is your hand what is your hand attending to? What are you doing with your life? What is it that your kids see you doing with your life? Is it about the things of the world first? Are you, are, is your life and your mindset and your hands, what you're practicing, what you're doing, is it all about chasing after the world first and foremost? Or do they see you pursuing God and righteousness and the truth 
and standing up for what's right. What do your children see you doing, fathers? What do your children see when they look at you, fathers? Do they see a man of God? Do they see a man of God who loves the Lord more than all else and loves his word like the same way more than all else, more than any philosophy of the world? Or do they see just another fake Christian man who plays church on Sunday while he's loving the thing of the world, the things of the world, far more than he loves God? What do they see? In Ephesians 6, Paul said this to the Ephesian church. He said, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So that's really Paul saying the same thing as Moses did over Deuteronomy. Bring your children up in the instruction of the Lord. Fathers, he's speaking to fathers. He's not saying pastors do this for the fathers. He's not saying Bible teachers, Sunday school teachers do this for the fathers. He didn't say youth minister, bring the children up in the, in the instruction of the Lord for the fathers. He said fathers, Fathers, you bring up your children in the instruction of the Lord. You do it, fathers. So what we have today, rather than bringing children up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, most so-called Christian fathers allow their children to even participate with them in the pleasures of the world. The fathers even introduce their children to idols and to worldliness and to worldly pleasures and to worldly entertainments and to things of the world that take them away from God. Fathers do this all the time. I'll give you an example. I, and this is a religious, this is about a religious situation. I know, I personally know of a man who was a very faithful church attender who did Bible studies with his family, uh, <laughs> but he was addicted to violent video games, the kind of video games where you actually assassinate people. You know, I, there's a name for it. I don't, don't even remember what it was. He enjoyed the assassination, the uh, virtual assassination of people through this video game. And, you know, it's it's like killing people. It's it's a it's a it's a game that you play to kill people. Now I don't know how you can reconcile that with the things of God, but that's what he was doing in his mind. Somehow he was justifying it. And this this man had two teenage sons who also were addicted to video games. You can imagine like father, like son here. This man was confronted by some godly church people, some godly true Christians, I should say, who corrected him for his hypocrisy and for what he had done, causing his own sons to stumble into this obsession over video games. This was about a year ago when all this came to light. And since then, the man has repented. I will give, give him credit for this. He has repented. And he's, and he's done away with all his participation in video games, especially the violent ones. But he's done away with all of it, actually. And he's realizing that he needs to put his time into something more productive. And, he, and also, he has been able to help his own sons to get free from their obsessions of the video games. And he's actually been working with his sons, doing some things, you know, hands-on with the boys. And a couple of them now have, have started, gotten their driver's license. And they've actually gotten jobs now. And they're becoming productive young men. And they're going on through school and finishing up. And one of them just graduated. So, and he's moving towards college. So there's been some positive things happen there. When the father repented, he was able to help the sons. I know of another situation where a man uh, was uh, teaching his children. He was in. He was in. A, he he claimed to be a Christian. He attended a local church, and he taught his children to avoid sin. And he taught his he had a son. He had a son that was a teenager, and he he taught him specifically to avoid any form of pornography because it was very addictive. 
All the while this man was teaching his family to avoid sin and his son to stay out of pornography, this man was in pornography. And as a result of him being in pornography, when his son got into pornography, and his son then also got into immorality while he was a teenager, the father had no power to help his son and to turn his son away because the father had been doing this basically the same thing. He hadn't, the father hadn't been in immorality per se, but he was in pornography, which is just another form of spiritual immorality. So here's my point. You can't, fathers, you can't teach your children not to do something if you're doing it. I remember when I was a little boy, my father was a smoker. And I remember it looked so good. You know, here he is smoking on that cigarette. It looked delicious. You know, I thought, boy, if I could only smoke, I think I was about 10 years old. I told him, I said, daddy, I want to smoke. He said, well, son, um, he said, if I ever catch you smoking, I'm going to beat the daylights out of you. And, and, and all the time he's smoking, you know, it's like, you're telling me not to smoke. But my little mind was like, that don't, but, but you're smoking, daddy. I didn't say that out loud, but you know, I'm thinking this. And guess what? Later I started smoking because, you know, I wanted to smoke and my father was an example. So I followed his example, not his words. Hey, fathers, get this. Your sons are going to do what they see you doing, not so much what you say. So we got to think about this, Father. What are we doing? In Deuteronomy 5, verse 7, he goes on to say in Deuteronomy, he says, in another chapter, he says, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water or under the earth. You shall not worship them, that is this idol, whatever it is you're making, making up for yourself, you shall not worship them or serve them, those idols, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generation for those who hate me. See, what he's saying, if you're going to love another idol, you're going to love something more than me, you're going to go after something else, you hate me. And as a result of that, I'm going to serve your iniquity on the third, all the way down to the third and fourth generation after you. He says, but... I will show loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. So there's the other side of the coin. And in verse 11, he says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So, fathers, you shall have no other gods before him. And I'm going to tell you something. You know what the big God, one of the big gods today of men it's football. It's football. I remember when we had a small church back in the eighties. Uh, we were meeting in a we were meeting in a storefront. There's about a hundred of us, and the Lord revealed to me how idolatrous football and, and certain types of sports were, and games and pleasure and all this thing that men involve themselves in. How much how they love it so much more than God. And I did a teaching on it. There was about a hundred of us together at the time. And when I did that teaching, there wasn't but 30 of us left. Yeah. I mean, so many men got so offended because they love football more than God. And they were going to have their football no matter what. They were going to, the wives were sick of them watching football. Football, football, or it was baseball, or it was hockey, or it was baseball. It's all the same thing. It's just so obsessed with the game that it was taking over their life, and they loved it more than God. Yeah. So, fathers, you should have no other gods before me. The Lord said, not the God of sports, 
not the God of video games, not the God of greed and money and the love of money, as some do. And he says he certainly doesn't want us to have the God of lust and pornography, like the one situation I mentioned, or any kind of immorality. You know, there are people who just are so addicted to their, their, to their immorality. And he said also he didn't want us to have the God of laziness, in which I've talked about the lazy passive man in one of the recent podcasts. We're not supposed to be passive or lazy or negligent. He, he says he doesn't want us to worship that God. So there's all kinds of ways we can create for ourselves an idol. An idol is anything that you put above God. And he certainly does not want us to worship the God of false Christianity, the God of false grace, the God of false salvation. There's a whole lot of that going on in American Christianity today. People are bowing down to this false grace. They're hoping in this false grace. They're believing in this easy believism type salvation, praying the sinner's prayer to be saved, which is all bogus. And I remember one time, another man and I were teaching a seminar in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And there was, uh, there was a group of, of young pastors that came to hear what we were saying. There was a lot of other people there, but there was a group of young pastors and they were from... They were a pastor, associate pastor, and I think his assistant from a local Baptist church came to hear what we were saying. And at that time, we were using the scriptures to expose and to show that the doctrine of once saved, always saved was a false doctrine. And we used many scriptures. I think our seminar lasted. I shared for about an hour and a half and the other gentleman shared for about an hour, hour and a half. And so we really, we really covered this very thoroughly with many, many, many scriptures. At the end of the seminar, these uh these young Baptist ministers, they came up to us and they wanted to talk to us to tell us where we were wrong. And we again pointed out to them what the scripture said about this doctrine. Well, they said, here's what they finally said. They said, well, we might be wrong and we might be going to hell, but we're going to be Baptist. Now that showed you right there. They love being a Baptist. They love the Baptist denomination they love their Baptist uh, theology and they love their Baptist position as pastors being paid. They loved all of that more than they love the truth than they love God. So that's what I'm talking about. Anything can be an idol. You can love your denomination, your church and go right to hell. You can love it more than God because I, I promise you, if you start looking in the scriptures, you're going to find out what's wrong with it. You're going to find out where it's in error. You're going to find out that it's wrong for your pastor to be paid and to, for him to tickle your ears. You're going to find out that God has a lot more to say than your pastor's telling you. But if you love your denomination more than God, it becomes your God. It becomes your idol. And then what are you going to do in judgment? So, you see, whatever you make for yourself, in your mind, in your heart, whatever you make that you're going to love more than God, that is your idol because it's something that you're going to love more than God. So the question is this, or the statement I guess I'm going to say is, whatever false gods you worship or you serve, fathers, whatever the false God is that you worship or you serve, that will be the God that your sons will most likely also worship and serve. That is, if you don't serve and worship the Lord your God with all your heart. You see, your iniquity, that is your iniquity of your idolatry, whatever your idolatry is, it will be served on to the sons, to your children, all the way down to the third and fourth generation. In other words, they're going to do the same thing you're going to do do unless they give their heart to God. Another situation I know of regarding a man in a denominational situation, this is also was in a Baptist church, 
I personally know of a man, and I went to church with this man at one time. I, I was in that very denomination with him in the Baptist church one time, a long time ago, about 38 years ago. I personally know that he loved his denomination. He loved it tremendously. I mean, this man had his whole family wrapped up in every program, everything the church did. He was all gung-ho about the whole deal. He loved it more than anything else. He loved his church. He loved his denomination. And he loved his, his religion more than anything else. He kept his family tied up all the time. Every meeting, everything they did, they were there. He And then later, his son, who was a little boy at the time I knew him, he grew up into manhood. And he uh, his son was so indoctrinated, I guess you might say, so engrossed with all this religion that his son uh, made a decision that he's going to go to seminary and be a pastor of the same denomination. So the father then endorsed this, of course. He was thrilled because he loved the denomination. He loved the religion so much. So he, 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 he endorsed it and ended up, he made the son twice the son of hell that he was because of this. You see, that's what happens sometimes in this denominational world. So folks, <laughs> Don't love your denomination or your pastor or your doctrine more than God. Be sure you seek God. Be sure you study the word. Be sure you know the will of God and be sure that you don't get fooled. I also, getting back to football again, I know of another man personally, and I've spoken into this man's life. I know him well. I, I warned him and others have warned him. But many years ago, we saw that he had kind of an obsession with football, Tennessee football, Tennessee Vols. He was all obsessed over the football. Even though he was warned that it was an idol in his heart, he didn't, he didn't really receive that because he didn't see any problem. Even though we explained to him that football is a very violent game. It's a dangerous game. It's a game all about strife, which is totally contrary to the nature of God and the instructions in the Bible. It's all about rivalry, one pitted against the other. It has nothing to do with brotherly love. It has nothing to do with the nature of Christ or of God. It's everything opposite of Jesus Christ, and yet he couldn't see that. He wouldn't see that, so uh, he just he refused, and so he left. He left a little church we were in at the time. He went his own way over the years. He's recently gotten in touch with me again. And now his son, his little boy that was just a little fellow at the time, he's grown up now, he's about 13, he's grown up to the age of around 13 years old or so. And now his son is all obsessed and idolizing the same sport and the same team as the father always did. Now the father has awakened and realized what he has done. He has led his own son into idolatry. He's led his own son into worshiping a false god. And now he's trying, he's repented of it himself, the father has, and now he's trying to get his son free from it. See, this is what happens, fathers. What you do is what your sons are going to do. It's a very serious thing, fathers. Who are you serving? And so, anyway, that last statement I read from Deuteronomy was, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Okay, now, in the religious world, they say if you use the word GD, you've taken the name of the Lord in vain. There's nowhere in the scripture that supports that concept. There's plenty of places where it talks about receiving Christ in vain or they worshiping me in vain or in vain do they worship me and so forth. In vain means that you have taken on the name of God. In other words, you've called yourself a Christian. You've called yourself of God. You said, I am of God. I belong to God. I belong to Jesus Christ. You've taken on the name of God, but 
You don't have, but you've not lived for God. So when you take on the name of God and you serve and go, you worship and serve other gods, you go after other gods, your heart's after idols of the world or whatever, then you have taken the name of God in vain. You called yourself a Christian in vain because you don't belong to God. Therefore, it's in vain. It has no, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything for you to say you're a Christian. So, fathers, what God are you introducing to your children? What God are you showing them? What, what is written on the doorpost of your house? Is it football? Is it the game? Is it, is it the house of fun? Is it come here and do your video game? Is it the house of worldly entertainment? Have you always got something going on just for fun? Or is your house known as the house where the man of God lives? The man who is sober. The man who has a sense of urgency. The man who teaches his family the ways of God. The man who won't participate in the things and the idols of the world. What kind of, what's written on your doorpost? Fathers, do you teach your children about the Lord? And do you warn them about the ways of the world? Fathers, are you living, are you a living example for your children? Or do you tell them one thing and then do another? And fathers, let me ask you this. And when you stand before the Almighty God in judgment, He's going to judge your life. He's going to look at your life. I believe the first thing God's going to do is evaluate how you took care of your family, how you led your family, what you taught your family, what kind of an example were you to your family. So, when you stand before the Lord, what will be your excuse if you have failed to do what God has called you to do, which is to be a priest in your home, a spiritual priest leading and guiding and teaching your family, especially your children, the ways of God to direct them towards the kingdom of God. What are you going to do for an excuse if you haven't done that with all of your heart? You see, fathers, do you not understand this scripture yet? The one I'm fixing to read to you? Listen very carefully. But if anyone does not provide for his own, his father, male, leader of home for his own, his own household. If he doesn't provide for those, and especially for those of his own household, if he doesn't provide for his own and especially those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Meaning if you, fathers, if you haven't done this, you have denied Christ, you've denied God, You've denied the word of God. You've denied the kingdom of God. You've denied the truth of God. You've denied everything about God. If you are not leading and teaching your family, especially your children, now and especially in this terrible time of darkness that we live in today, in the evil times that we live in, fathers, if you're not doing that now, you're worse than, it says you're worse than an unbeliever. I don't know what's worse than an unbeliever. An unbeliever is a is a reprobate before God. He is a degenerate before God. He is rejected by God. He is thrown away from God. He is he is sent to hell forever and ever because in God's eyes that's what he deserves. Now you tell me what's worse than an unbeliever. It's a father who does not 
teach his children the ways of God, especially those in his household who does not teach them and warn them and guide them and take every opportunity to direct them. But somehow he thinks he can send them to the church. He can send them to the youth preacher, the youth pastor, or he can send them to the Sunday school or something like that or send them to Christian school and cop out from his duties. Oh, fathers, don't be fooled by this. You're not only going to go to hell, you're going to take your children with you. How do you, how do you think that's going to pan out? So fathers, yeah, it upsets me. Yeah, you can tell I'm bothered by this. I've been dealing with this ever since I became a Christian. The, the laxness, the passivity, the unconcern of men, fathers who claim to be Christians who don't love their children enough to, to take the time to teach them, to talk to them, to love them, to discipline them, to correct them, to instruct them, to guide them. And they don't pray over their souls. They don't direct them towards God. Fathers, this is, a, this is a terrible tragedy. Yes, I'm upset about it. So fathers, wake up and become the godly father you were called to be. Not just a fake religious father that would turn your children against God because they see your hypocrisy. Love your children. Love your children and turn them towards the kingdom of God. If you don't do that, fathers, you have contributed to their eternal destruction in hell and the loss of their souls forever. You will be the stumbling block that Jesus talked about in Matthew 18 that it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and for you to be thrown into the depths of the sea than for the judgment that's going to come upon you because you failed to love God and to love your children and you became a stumbling block to them. I hope you... Take to heart what I'm saying today, fathers. It's Father's Day. Do you really think that you should be honored? I hope you do. I hope you're worthy of honor today, but I'm afraid that most of you are not. I hope you listen to another Great Deception podcast next week. Thank you for listening to the Great Deception podcast. You may visit my website at www.christianmyths.org for more information for my blog and for my email address. You can also get my book, The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ, on Amazon or on my website. Also on my website, you may download two free chapters of my book. I hope you join me next week as we continue to examine The Great Deception.